0: and honor because you're worthy of it so now we thank you for this time we thank you for this day for it truly is a day that you've made Lord we've made a decision to rejoice and to be glad in it because it's your day so have your way now we pray in Jesus name amen and amen hallelujah you can go ahead and be seated praise the Lord Hallelujah. God is wonderful, isn't he? Well, last week I, I started a series, Genesis and the Gospel. And, uh, and so we're going to continue that today and, and then we'll finish it up. Next week. But um, in this series, what I'm basically talking about is I'm talking about two different cultures, the change of culture. And last week, we started talking about in Acts, the second chapter, where Peter preached the message on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 were brought into the kingdom. And we, we began to talk about why that message that he preached was received and why it was um, accepted. We talked about the culture of the day, that it was a a Jewish culture, that they knew the principles of the book of Genesis, that they had studied that, and they had they'd seen the principles of the Old covenant and so forth. And as a result of that, when Paul, or excuse me, when Peter preached that simple gospel message, they were were able to receive it and they were able to follow after it. But this morning we want to talk about the Acts 17 culture and how when Paul preached to the Greek everything had totally changed. It was a totally different audience. It was a totally different culture that he was dealing with. And we're not going through this just simply so that we can have information. We're going through it so that we can see what's really happening in the world that we live in today. That there's a, there's a switch in the culture. And oftentimes we look at it and we look at all the natural things and that's what we attribute it to. But it's so much more than, than the natural things. It's, it's losing sight of those basic truths and principles that have been laid down for us. And so like I said, that's what we want to look at today and you know, it's an interesting thing about our, our Christian principles and so forth. It's, it's precept upon precept. We go from glory to glory. And so you you build upon something and it's is very similar to construction in the natural. In the natural, if you've got a carpenter, if you've got somebody that's building a house, building a building, they don't ever start with the roof, and then they build the walls, and then after that, they, they lay the foundation. That's really what we see happening in our culture today is that we're trying to build a roof without having a, without having a foundation. <clears throat> Did I use my Minnesota interpretation of roof? <laughs> and so I should have said roof. 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 That's what a dog says. Roof. <laughs> you know. But anyway, so we, we, we need to begin with a foundation. And that's where, when Paul preached to the church in uh, in Jerusalem the, the people in Jerusalem the Jews they had that foundation and so when Peter preached that message the foundation was already laid. he began to put up the walls he talked they preached a simple message of Christ and he crucified and resurrected from the dead and uh, anyway we're gonna we're gonna move on from there but so we're talking about how are we going to build that structure so that it's going to stand? And how does that apply to Christianity? We're gonna look at that today. But you know what we've done oftentimes is we've done, well, let me put it this way. If you bought an Angela Christie mystery novel, you went not buy that book, go home, turn to the end of the book and find out who done it, and then threw the book away. Throw the book away. No, you've got to read the book to understand the plot as to why you get to that certain point. Now I'm looking around the room and I see several faces that says, "Well, that's how I read, would have read the book." <clears throat> and that's why you don't know the plot. And but that's what we've done with Christianity. We've gone to the back of the book. We found out the who done it. And we want to settle for that. We don't want to have to go through the process of reading through the book. But you know what we see in the book of Genesis is so key for us to be able to understand the gospel. You know, if you talk to most Christians and they said the condition that the world is in today, uh, what needs to be done? What can we do about it? And they would basically say, well, what we need to do is we need to get out there and we need to preach the gospel. When we say we need to get out there and preach the gospel, what are we really talking about? We're talking about sharing about Jesus dying on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, and that is wonderful. We need to preach the good news. And that is the good news, and the good news is, is wonderful. But you know what, in order for us to really understand the plot of the good news, we've gotta start in the beginning. Because if we don't do that, what happens is we begin to share with individuals and they don't have any kind of an understanding of what we're what we're really talking about people in the church would say we need to preach the gospel what is the gospel the gospel is the good news but you know what it's an interesting thing in order to understand and receive the good news of the gospel First, you have to understand the bad news of Genesis. Because I think oftentimes we say, well, people just need to be saved. Well, let me tell you something. Most people, when you say they need to be saved, they don't have any clue what you're talking about. Because number one, they don't know what they need to be saved from. Well, they're sinners. Well, they don't even have a concept of what being a sinner is. Because they haven't heard the bad news they haven't had that foundation laid in their life and it's through that foundation they want to know what what it, why why they need to believe that they need to be saved what do we need to be saved from saved by whom saved for what saved for what purpose and you know what it's an interesting thing Unless people realize they need the, realize they need a savior, to tell them that God loves them means absolutely nothing to them. Why, does, why is it so important that God loves us? Because He saved us from our sins. It's through Him that we have life and that we have it more abundantly. And so we need that information in order to be able to, to build the house to be able to build that temple that we're to be in Christ Jesus. And so just like the normal house, you begin with the foundation. Once you've laid the foundation, then you're you're ready to build the walls. And once you've built the walls, then you're ready for the roof. But you know, it's the same thing with the gospel. What's the foundation? The foundation is the teaching that God is creator. You know, we're in a culture today when you begin to talk about God being the creator, um, they, don't, they don't have any idea what you're talking about. Well, they may have an idea, but they don't really believe it. They haven't accepted that. And so <clears throat> we begin with the knowledge, the foundation, that we need a savior. That's the foundation. But once we have that foundation, then we're ready to begin to build the walls. And what are the walls? The walls as Jesus came, Jesus died. Jesus is resurrected from the dead. and Jesus is seated at the right hand of Father God on high. There we have the walls. But what about the roof? The roof is that he's coming back. And oftentimes that's where we try to begin. We try to share with people. We try to tell people, you need to get your life right because Jesus is coming back. But they have no concept of what, they're talk, what you're talking about because they have no concept that they need a savior. And so what's he coming back for? And so what I wanna share with you today is the importance of having that foundation established so that we can build upon it. We talked about it last week, how <clears throat> In many of our cultures, most of our cultures, that foundation was already laid. You know, our forefathers here in the United States, they, they were men that believed the Word. And so many of the principles that we have were established upon biblical principles. Even within our schools, oftentimes, the Bible was one of our main textbooks. We grew up in homes that every Sunday it was, it was understood that we were going to go to church. When we went to church and we went to Sunday school, we heard the message, not just that Jesus died and that Jesus was raised from the dead, but we heard the message that God, our God, was a creator and he created all things. And that everything that he created was good. Then on the sixth day after he created man, he said it was very good. And he told man, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because the day that you eat thereof, you're gonna die. And we heard about how Adam and Eve how they forsook the Word of God and they chose to eat the fruit of that garden as a result of that they fell and Satan became the God of this world and then we saw how God took the skins of animals which was foretelling the coming of Jesus as a sacrifice and he covered Their physical bodies, which was a type of how Jesus, through the blood, was going to cover our sins and ultimately wipe our sins away. We had an understanding of that. We knew about the flood. We knew about the Tower of Babel. We knew about all of those things. But you know, it's an interesting thing when something doesn't get shared. People don't know about it. And so in our culture today we have many people that have grown up never hearing the stories. And if they've heard us heard the story, they've simply heard it as a story. I shared with you last week, you know, in the Hebrew, when it talks about a story, when it uses the word story, it's not talking about a fairy tale. It's talking about reviewing, talking about history. And so the Jewish culture was passed down from generation to generations through the stories that were told. But they weren't fables. They were the actual history that they had encountered. And that's why it's so important for us. Tuesday night at Men of Life, I talked about fabulous fathers. And as fabulous fathers, one of our responsibility to our children is to share our history to share what Jesus has done for us, to share how we grew up knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus and how we came into a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. and Why do we do that? So our children encounter the same experience because it's very important for us to understand something. God doesn't have any grandchildren. He only has children. That means each and every one of us must be born again into the family of God. It's kind of like my grandfather told me one time. We were leaving his 80th 80th birthday and hadn't had time to talk to him. And, you know, I had left the denomination we grew up in. And now I'm this independent charismatic, you know. And as we're leaving, my grandpa put his arm around my shoulder. And he says, Dave, he says, I always want you to remember one thing. Doesn't matter what name's over the door as long as you preach Christ and he crucified. Christ and he crucified. You must be born again. It's one of those basic truths that we must see that there's a need for it in our lives. And so we have to build upon that foundation. But you know what? We've lost that in our culture today. You know, and we can be fatalists and say, well, okay, surah, surah what will be, will be. Or we can say not in my household not in my household in my household my children for us it's our grandchildren they're going to know the truth of the gospel of jesus christ we're going to know what the bible is and what it stands for when my children are ready to receive the, j- j- receive jesus as their lord and savior for themselves They're going to know why they need a Savior. And they're going to receive him with joy. And we're going to spend eternity together. Well, Pastor, I just think we need to give our children all the information so that they can choose for themselves. How stupid can you be? That's one of the stupidest statements that I've ever heard come out of a Christian's mouth. I refuse to spend eternity without my children and my grandchildren. Truth is truth. And the Bible is truth. And so my children and my grandchildren, if Jesus tarries and I last that long, my great-grandchildren are going to hear the truth. And so he looked at Acts the second chapter on the day of Pentecost when Peter preached. And they had that foundation, and when Peter preached that simple gospel message, they had a foundation that they were able to receive that message. And 3,000, praise the Lord, were born again. But you know what? We used to see that in our culture. We would see these mass crusades, and we'd see thousands and thousands of people being saved. But you know what's interesting? Now we see this in the Latin American countries. We see this in Africa. Not so much in Asia. Not at all in Europe. And not as much in the United States. Why is that? It's because in the African nations and, and <clears throat> the, the Latin American nations, they're still hearing the simple message. There's a foundation. They may not be hearing it right that they might be born must be born again but the moment that they hear that they're ready to receive because it's building upon that foundation and we were there but things have changed and so our culture has changed and that's what I want us to see and see for me it's challenging as a pastor you know I've looked at it and thought "Why, why have things changed so much over the last 38 years Man, things have really changed. You know why it seems that way? Because things have really changed. You know, the people that are coming into the church oftentimes, they've had, they, they've had no basic foundational Bible teaching in their lives. But you know what we've tried to, I've tried to approach it the same way. To build upon a foundation that wasn't there. And so I am beginning to see something that our approach as a church and me as a pastor has to be different. I have to see to it that that foundation is being laid. Because whether you realize it or not, the purpose of the church is not to entertain us. The purpose of the church isn't so that when I walk out of these doors, I feel good. Now we ought to feel good. But that's not the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is that the gospel message is presented in such a way that those that have not received, receive. But that foundation has to be laid there. And so let's, got your Bibles, go ahead and turn them over. See, we are going to look at the Bible this morning. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Since it is the truth, and it is the way, I think we ought to go there. So Acts, and we're going to go to the 17th chapter and here in the 17th chapter we have Paul it's very interesting back in Acts 2 we had Peter preaching and he's preaching to the Jews and the Jews had this foundation because they had this foundation when Peter Peter preached the simple message thousands upon thousands were saved now not everybody was saved because it's just like any message that presented you have a choice of whether you receive it or reject it there were those that rejected it but there were thousands upon thousands that received the message that was being preached and so here we have Paul and Paul is in Athens Greece and he on, the, on Mars Hill and he, he begins to preach to them and they call him this babbler <clears throat> probably what some of you think about me sometimes but they, they refer to him as this babbler and, and, and listen what it says in Acts 17 verse 18 and certain Athonians and stoic uh, philosophers encountered him and said some said what does this babbler want to say Others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preaches to them Jesus and the resurrection. Now, you got to understand something about the Greek. The Greek didn't have a biblical foundation like the Jews. They had many gods. Remember Paul, When he begins to preach and we're going to cover this next week so you got to come back next week (laughs) praise the lord you know but he, he talked about the the unknown god he says that's the one i'm talking about they were so religious they had so many shrines and so many temples and so many monuments to their gods that they had one monument or one temple that was for the unknown god just in case they missed one and so they They had all kinds of shrines and temples and everything else. And so Paul comes in there. And Paul preaches this, basically, the same message that Peter preached. But where Peter, the message was received, and people rejoiced to the Greek, they rejected it. They said he was a babbler. They said he's just another one of those gods that are out there. You see, the problem is is we're going from an Acts 2 culture to an Acts 17 culture. We're going from having the foundation of the Jews to having the foundation of the Greek, which was no foundation. And as a result of not having that foundation, there was nothing there for them to be able to build upon. And so we've got to ask ourselves why was it foolishness to the Greek? Well it was foolishness to the Greek because they didn't know the God of Genesis 1.1. They didn't know the creator God. The one who created all things. They didn't know Genesis 3 of the fall of man. How God created man and then man Chose to fall, rebelled against God, and as a result of that, death came into the world. They didn't know Genesis three twenty one, where it talks about how God took the skins of animals and covered uh, Adam and Eve, clothed them because they were naked. Isn't it interesting? Before the fall, they didn't even know they were naked, and they were naked. It's called the the period or the dispensation of innocence. And that's where God wanted us to stay they thought they were getting something when they were able to discern or they were able to be be able to see the difference between good and evil Adam and Eve didn't before the fall didn't know evil they had no concept of evil all they knew was good they knew was innocence <clears throat> I know you shouldn't but sometimes I get so ticked off at them what they did just think if we could have lived out all of eternity in the state of innocence have an intimate perfect fellowship with Almighty God because that was what he intended for us but you know the interesting thing about the Greek is they held to a evolution based culture the interesting thing about evolution An evolution culture will always take you away from creator God and oftentimes what we want to do is we want to have both we want to have an evolution God but we also want to hold on to creation or or, excuse me hold on to evolution but it doesn't it doesn't work that way well you know creation is just so hard to understand Give me a Holy Ghost break. Let me tell you something. It would take a whole lot more faith for me to believe in evolution than creation. It just kind of happened that two eyeballs ended up in this place just through whatever. Through, what, what, what do they call it when you get something that shouldn't be on you that's there? Uh, oh, you don't even know what I'm talking about. So anyway, but, but anyway... They, they, they had an evolution culture. They believed in evolution. And so they didn't believe in the God of Genesis 1-1. In the beginning was God. He created the heaven and the earth. And so the evolution view becomes a substitute for the God who created the world in six days. You're sitting there, and you're looking at me with that tone of voice, and you're thinking, Pastor Dave, you believe, you actually believe that the world was created in six days. Or maybe those days were just stretched out. No, I believe the world was created in six 24-hour days. Thank you for that rousing amen. I really appreciate that. That's really encouraging me. I believe that. Well, pastor, I'm not sure I can. Well, then read Genesis 1-1. Well, I did, but then there's Genesis 1-2. And there appears to be this gap. You all know where I'm going, don't you? Some of you do. Because there's a teaching in Christendom that there's a gap theory. That there's this gap between Genesis 1, 1 and Genesis 1, 2. And that gap could be millions and millions of years. Well, if that's true, then we have a problem. Because if that's true, then God has some issues. Because after God created man, he didn't just simply say it was good. He said it was very good. Now if you read and study anything About fossils and the millions of years that it took to evolve and so forth, you'll find something very interesting. You'll find that they found in fossils that in the stomachs of some of the fossils they found animal bones. And so that would mean that these animals had eaten other animals. You also find in some of these fossils and what they've studied, they found tumors. Uh, They found arthritis. They have found other diseases and so forth that had taken part and had been part of people's lives and so if we believe in the gap theory then that would have taken place between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 now I know this is really deep you know Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 but it would have had to take place in there if that's where the gap was they found something else in these fossils they found thorns Now, every farmer in this room knows that thistles and thorns and weeds are of the devil. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I mean, if it wasn't for thorns and thistles and weeds, farmers wouldn't have to cultivate, they'd be able to prepare the ground, plant the seed water it and watch it pop up and there wouldn't be anything there to destroy it but there are well what's what's the significance of this the second significance of this is are we going to believe god or not now see this is the issue this is the issue if thorns and thistles we see in genesis after God had spoken to uh, Satan and the woman that is going to put enmity between her seed and his seed and her seed. But then it says to Adam, he says, because of this, because of the fall, you're going to have to live, this is Schroeder's paraphrase, you're going to have to live by the sweat of your brow and that you're gonna have to deal with uh, thistles, and I better read it. Because you might say, well, that's, that's just Pastor Dave. And it says here in Genesis three nineteen, in the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were you taken, and dust you re- shall return. I gotta back up to verse, well, let's go back up to the last part of 17. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it. All the days of your life, both thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herbs of the field, and then the sweat of your face, and so on and so forth. And so, Now the last time I checked, which is just right now, <laughs> Genesis 3 comes after Genesis 1. Am I right or... No. Am I I thought I was right. So if... There were thistles in Genesis, between Genesis 1, 1 and Genesis 1, 2. Then the Bible's lied to us that it wasn't a result of the fall, that it was a result of creation and God called it very good. You see, my, my, my theology, my, my thinking is probably too simple for the majority of you. Because my philosophy is, the Bible says that I believe it, and that settles it. Listen to me, over the last 45 years that I've been saved, I can't tell you how many people have tried to convince me of the gap theory. The problem I have with it and you know they bring other things and they pull other things in to try to prove it and so forth there's just one issue with it God didn't say it God didn't say in Genesis 1 1 God created all things and then in Genesis 1 2 and God said after millions of years I did it all over again because it was screwed up he didn't say that he used Basic Hebrew terminology and he repeated himself which is to emphasize, emphasize something. And so God created the heavens and the earth and it's important for us to understand that because what we see is where atheistic philosophy is concerned. Evolution is very much a part of that. And remember we shared last week that there are There are two religions. Two religions. Not multiple religions. There are two religions. The religion of the God of creation and everything else. Because we see the God of creation when he spoke to Adam and Eve and he said, Don't eat of the tree. And just like there were those. In Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost they chose not to listen to the word of Peter they chose to do their own thing that's what Adam and Eve did And when Adam and Eve chose to listen to the serpent Lucifer the Satan the devil that was the birth of the second religion which is everything else that is contrary to the Word of God Why does it always pull or try to pull us away from the simplicity of the Word of God? You know, one of my instructors when I was in in Bible school is a old four-square pastor. And he says, in every denomination you see it evolve. And it begins by ministering to the poor and the middle class. And he says, where the Word is concerned, they take the simplicity of the word and they preach the literal interpretation of the word. But then they begin to evolve, they begin to be acceptable. And so they no longer minister to the lower and the middle class, they go from middle class to upper class. And then the emphasis ceases to be put on the simplicity of the word, they begin to emphasize education. Now, I'm not against education. I'm not against it. Education just begins to be a problem when you get educated beyond your intellect. Well, that's what's happened to people where, where the Word of God is concerned. They, they're not satisfied with the simple interpretation any longer. They've got to go beyond that. And so they come up with all these weird philosophies. Known as the gap theory. Why? To explain away. Because somehow you have to explain creation. Somehow you have to explain man. And their explanation is there was this bang and all of a sudden everything began to come together and it took millions and billions of years. But after all that process, this is what you get. Man, you would have thought it would have done something Really, Amen. But that's that's where they were. That was the Greek philosophy, and everything with the Greek philosophy. What it does is it begins to take us away from the simplicity of the Word. And you see, it's not a new thing. I mean, you know, the devil doesn't have a new tactic. It's not a new thing. We see it throughout the Old Testament. Where God continually warned the children of Israel, the Jews, of of listening, of getting connected with those that worshipped other gods. Solomon, we know of Solomon, you know, the richest king ever. How at the end of his life, he, he got into false religion. Why? Because of the wives that he married, that they influenced him. And as a result of that influence, it took him away from the basic truths and principles of the Word of God. We see it throughout the prophetic books. We see it with so many. I read this scripture on on Tuesday night. And it speaks of the very thing that we're talking about here in Judges, the second chapter in the 11th verse. It says, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Baal. It's other gods. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers. That's what we see taking place. We're forsaking the Lord God of our fathers. The Lord God that we heard about as we were growing up. Who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And this is why it's so important for us to share our history. That they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them. And they bowed down to them. And they provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal. And what happened? They lost their culture. We're losing our culture. And we blame it on all sorts of things. But this is what it ultimately boils down to. Because if you lose your culture, if you lose your foundation, you lose your path. We've lost our path. We've lost our direction. When you go back to to Genesis, why is gay marriage an issue today? Gay marriage is an issue today because we've lost our path we've lost our direction we've lost our foundation because if you go back to the book of Genesis it is very clear that God instituted marriage and he instituted marriage between a man and a woman for a a specific purpose and that purpose was to bear fruit God never created anything that could not reproduce itself. God's blessing is not on anything that cannot reproduce itself. I gotta be careful here, I might get the preach on me and I'm supposed to be teaching this morning. They lost their foundation. Abortion. Why is abortion an issue today? Because we've lost our foundation. And when you lose your foundation, your direction gets totally screwed up. You head in the wrong direction. You begin to base it on false assumptions. Creation, our God created us. And so we build upon that which He granted to us. You know, it's interesting going back to the evolution thing a little bit. And that's why the bone in fossils is so important for us to understand that do you realize that when God created everything everything we're vegetarians what a horrible thought but that's 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 how that's how we were created as to be vegetarians Listen to this in Genesis 1, 29. And God said, see, I've given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit bear yields seed. To you it shall be food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, to every, every everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life I have given every green herb for food and it was so it was a morning day and second day. so everybody was created as vegetarians so if and again here I get really deep again because Genesis 1 29 comes after Genesis 1 1 and 2 and so to find dead animals in fossils that are hundreds of millions of years old we would have to discount what the Word of God says just for your information we can eat animals Thank God for Genesis 9, 3, after the flood. And God said to to man, every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. Hallelujah. Bring on the steak. And see, that's the answer. Which we're unwilling to receive. Say, well... If you don't believe in evolution, what about all these fossils? You know, I remember a friend of Nicole's one time, no, it was Rachel's, said one time, <clears throat> Well, I believe the Bible, I don't believe in dinosaurs. Well, glory to God, there's fossils, there's skeletons of dinosaurs. I I believe in dinosaurs. Hey man, don't shut me down just because I'm preaching good. I, I believe in dinosaurs. Just huge lizards (laughs) that died during the flood. And see, there's the issue. There's the layers. We see it in the flood. But you know what? We choose not to because we choose to believe the ways of the world. God created all things. And the moment that we move away from that, we begin to lose our direction. But you know. <clears throat> one of the most asked ask questions. By millennials in surveys that I've seen. Today. They, 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 it goes something like this. How can you believe in a loving God. When there's so much death and suffering in the world. They're perplexed. When Christians talk about a loving God. As they see so much. Ugliness in the world, hurricanes, earthquakes, tidal waves, shootings, as we just saw yesterday. And they say, Well, if there's a loving God, why has all this taken place? Because they're not aware of Genesis 1 and 2 and 3. They don't see how the fall of man, you see, man is not evolved. Man has regressed. Man has gone backwards, not forward. You know, I, I remember growing up, the, the stuff that we see people do today, we would have never seen it when I was a kid. Or at least I wasn't aware of it. Maybe it was because of the media, I wasn't aware of it. But it's just, it's just, totally, it's just totally amplified. Why? Because of the evil one. You know, I am, <clears throat> I, I'm not a, I don't look for a devil behind every bush. But let me tell you something. People in the rotten minds don't treat people the way the world treats people. And so, why is that then, Pastor? Because it's demonically inspired. The hate that we see in the world, the hate that we see in our country, the hate that we see towards one another. That isn't isn't natural to man from the standpoint we were not created that way. We were created in the image of God and God is love and so when we forsake God we forsake love. So that's why we see what we see today. You see, what the world has is a counterfeit of love and it's known as lust. True love wants to satisfy your need at my expense. If I love you, I want to meet your need at my expense. But what the world calls love is actually lust because I want you to meet my need at your expense. That's the world that we live in right now. I don't like the way you do this and so I'm going to shoot you. Because you're interfering with my life. I'm going to take from you because you don't deserve what you have. I'm the one that deserves to have it. So I'm going to take it from you. But let me tell you something this all goes back to Genesis. And if we don't have an understanding of that, we don't understand the gospel. You see, that Saturday morning in the basement of Vern Lewis's house, when I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I had a foundation that was, that was laid in my life. I knew that I was a sinner. I knew that I needed a Savior. And when they shared that gospel, they shared a simple gospel with me. They shared with me that Jesus came And Jesus died. And Jesus is resurrected from the dead for my justification. And I knew what that meant because I had a foundation. Because I'd grown up going to church. And every year hearing the stories of creation and the fall and the flood and all that stuff. And so I had a foundation in my life that they were able to build those walls upon. We're losing that. Years back, Larry Christensen, he taught a message and the title of the message was Back to Square One. I think that's the message for the church today. We got to get back to square one. We got to get back to teaching the simplicity of the word of God and the truth of God's word. I'm not a fatalist. This may sound negative to you, but I'm not a fatalist to you, I'm just sharing information to you. And hopefully, we'll do something with this information. The next time you begin to share Jesus with somebody, I hope you'll look at the situation and and think, do they understand what I'm talking about? Do they understand my terminology? When I say you've sinned, do they know what I'm talking about? Or is sin just a concept that's out of their realm of understanding? Or do we need to go back and before we share the end, we begin to share the beginning. Let him know how God created all things. And he, how he created everything perfect. But you know what? He created man to have his own will because he didn't want a puppet. He wanted us to love God and serve God because we wanted to. Not because we didn't have any choice. And So because of that he gave man the opportunity to go elsewhere, to choose others. And That was in the fall when he ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And man fell and man died. And, and so since that time, death and destruction has permeated the earth. we see the destruction around us because of it we have to choose we have to choose but we have to have the information to be able to choose we have to have the knowledge of the word to be able to choose you know and as parents as grandparents that primary responsibility lies with us That we share the truth. We read the word to our children. Pastor Becky, she shared how one of her fondest memories of her grandfather Jacob is seeing him in his chair and he'd be reading the Bible. Do your children see you read the Bible or is that that thing on the shelf that you just have to dust off once a month when you dust your house? No, it ought to be something that's a part of our lives, and our our children see that. You know, it tells us in the Old Testament, it's a command that's given to the fathers, to the parents, that we talk about the Word of God. We talk about the things of God in our going outs, in our comings in. In other words, at all times, we talk about the things of God. It ought to be part of our life, part of who we are every situation that we encounter in life ought to be an opportunity for us to share the wonders of God so that God becomes something more than just a Sunday morning ritual that we go through. That God is what we experience every moment of every day. That He loves us totally unconditionally and because of that, We have the abundance, we have the blessings that we have in our life because of God. But you know what? The world wants to take it away from us. Wants to deceive us. You know, these things have come out of my mouth, forgive me Lord. That you know what really matters is that we believe that Jesus came, Jesus died, and Jesus was raised from the dead. And that, that really matters, that's, that's, that matters. But for that to matter to that individual, well let me put it this way. Before you can appreciate the good news, you gotta know the bad news. The bad news of Genesis. That man sinned. That man went his own way. The result of that was death and destruction. The death, destruction, hopelessness that we see in the world today is not because God's a mean God. It's because he loves us. Because he does love us because of this world that we live in and its deterioration. We choose. I can't choose for anybody else. I, I wish I could, because if I could, you know, <clears throat> I would do what they did in the Ukraine when the Russian Orthodox Church took over in the Ukraine. They went down to the to the river and they marched the whole city through the river and they baptized them. And now you're Russian Orthodox. You know, if that would do it, I'd find a shallow place in the Raccoon River. And I'd walk everybody through it. And I'd get one of those water guns. And to prove to you that I was a dunker and not a sprinkler, I would blow you all off your feet. (laughs) If that would do it, that's what I would do. But it won't. Harold would have done that a long time ago if that would have worked. Because everyone's gotta choose for themselves. But to choose, you have to know what you're choosing. That's where we need to make sure we present that gospel in such a way that it can be presented. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, brother. Next week, we'll finish this up. I believe it's really, 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 really important that we get a hold of it. So I pray that you won't be as the Jews. That this message is a stumbling stone. But I also pray that you won't be as the Greek. That you'll look upon it as foolishness. See, when I started preparing this message, that that was my fear. My fear would be that some would be like the Jews and just... I don't need that. Reject it. But there'd be others that would say, oh, this, this is just foolish. We're beyond this. No, we're not. Remember, years back, Brother Hagan went to a meeting, and in that meeting, he went specifically to these meetings because this individual was preaching this new doctrine. And so Brother Hagan, he went because the guy was an old friend of his and he went one night and didn't quite agree with the message and so the next night he went and he listened again and after the service he met, went back and met up with the guy and says, you know, brother, that message that you preached tonight and he says, oh yes, hallelujah, God gave it to me. And he says, yeah, he says, you're gonna to have to give me chapter and verse. And The guy looked at Brother Hagin and he says, oh, this revelation has gone way beyond that thing. Let me tell you something. Anybody that ever has a revelation that goes beyond this, walk away. Walk away. This is our foundation. So why, why, why Genesis and the Gospel? Because in Genesis we lay the foundation. In Jesus, in His death, burial, and resurrection, we build the walls. In Revelation. We have the new heaven. And we have the new earth. And so, the full gospel is Genesis through Revelation. And that's why the whole book is important. Amen. Well, I better quit. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad you came this morning? Amen. Should be gladder than that. Aren't you glad you came this morning? Come on, build me up, Hallelujah! Woo, glory to God. I'm old; you gotta encourage me. Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. It's the truth, though. Got to know the truth, because it's that truth that'll set you free. In Jesus' name, Amen. Father, we thank you for your Word, that it's living, it's powerful, it's active, more active than any two-edged sword. Father, we just pray that our hearts and minds that that truth might be sealed that we might walk in the fullness of it, that you might be lifted up and glorified in and through our lives. So, Father, we give you all the praise, honor, and glory in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. So as you go, give somebody a hug. Let them know you love them. In the name of Jesus, amen.